You're now listening to The Nest on Tap, conversations to encourage parents to make informed choices about healthcare and embrace parenting as a tool to change the world, one diaper at a time. Here's your host, Katie Demota. Welcome and thank you for joining me at The Nest on Tap. I'm Katie Demota and I'll be your host today. I'm joined by my good friend and colleague, Carrie Dahlstrom. Carrie is a physical therapist who's also certified as a craniosacral practitioner. She enjoys working with a variety of clients, including newborns, adolescents, and adults. Carrie enjoys working with infants and their parents after a traumatic birth, infants struggling with nursing, torticollis, and plagiocephaly. Welcome, Carrie. Thanks, Katie. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for joining me today. I thought we could start um, out by. Having you answer such a common question that we hear uh, working with parents is basically just what is craniosacral therapy? Sure. Um, So really craniosacral therapy is a therapy that is based on the paradigm that the body has the ability to heal itself. It's a self-healing entity. And um, what we're looking at is the cranial rhythm, which is something that we can feel just like your heart rate or your breathing rate. Is, and, and I can look at that. And with that cranial rhythm, it'll tell me where there are restrictions. And those restrictions then will guide, you know, what, where I'm going to put my hands. It's a very light touch um, modality. And um, Really, I'll put my hands wherever that body directs me and the baby or the adult or the whoever it is that's on my table will start. And the goal is to return that central nervous system back to homeostasis. There's a lot of things within our central nervous system. And just to back up a little bit, the central nervous system is what consists of our brain and spinal cord. Um, And that is surrounded by membranes that kind of protect it, right? Kind of holds it all in a sack. That's obviously a very, um, something that if it was damaged would, would not be good. Right. Right. So, um, we, um, are kind of working within that system to see how do we get that so that it works at its optimal performance. So, wow, it's quite a sophisticated thing you're doing there when it just feels like you're putting your hands on my body, you're doing quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And as you know, it's not it's not heavy handed at all. It's just, it's almost like I'm barely touching you and yet all the stuff is happening. Right. And that's a common question parents will ask me, is it going to hurt? Right. Yeah. And it's never, it should never be painful. Um, if it is painful, I'm always, I always say to whoever is on my table, Hey, let me know. And obviously the babies will let us know through their crying and those kinds of things. Right. That being said, there is the caveat. If we are working on a birth trauma and the baby is, is kind of, reprocessing their birth sometimes they will cry a little bit Mm. because they're kind of going back through that process so it's the it's really the ability to listen to that cry and and recognize you know hey is it a distress cry is it i'm a reprocessing cry is it i'm hungry you know a lot of times i'm working on the baby while their mom's holding them or mom's nursing them um while mom's walking around the room and just kind of you know soothing them so I just kind of pop in wherever baby's most comfortable and mom is most comfortable and move with them. I bet that's really reassuring for parents who feel uh, nervous at all about um, doing this sort of 
treatment or therapy for their babies. I, I bet that brings a lot of reassurance for them. Yeah, that's the hope. Uh, so you talked a little bit about birth trauma and um, how that can help a baby process um, their potential traumatic birth. Anything else you can add to how that can be help helpful? And can it be helpful for both the baby and mom? We just were doing a um, conversation a couple months ago looking at specifically craniosacral for um, processing a birth experience, traumatic or not, right? Um, right. Birth yeah. is just kind of a crazy thing in general. Right. It's kind <laughs> of a big deal. Yeah. Whether it goes smoothly or not, it's kind of crazy. Right. So you want to add to our conversation about how craniosacral can support mom or baby or both or even the partner? Yeah. I'm, you know, as we just said, birth is, is a really big um a big milestone that we go through, a big process that we go through, mom, baby, and dad, you know, it's, it's watching all these things going on. Dad's watching, you know, their spouse or their partner suffer as they're going through all of those things. That's a hard thing for them and to, you know, not being able to do things, even if it's all going smoothly and just as it should, it still is kind of a crazy thing to watch your partner go through. Um, and then obviously mom is, you know, doing the same thing with her own body and going through that. And baby obviously is going through a lot as they come down through the birth canal. And so even if it's like we said, even if everything goes perfectly, sometimes just that is a nice thing to have. And a lot of times when I'm working on the baby, um, I am also including mom. And if the partner is there, you know, I'm also including them within that space. And um, sometimes I'll even have my hands on them. Um, I'll ask the partner to come over and kind of be, you know, touching mom or baby and just kind of include them all. Um, if it is something that's traumatic, then there's also like, let's say the baby was stuck in the birth canal for a long period of time, right? And so then they have a lot of compression or they're presenting more on this side of their head versus you know, we're in the head down position and that's how they come through the birth canal. There's going to be excess stress and strain in an area that mother nature didn't really design for there to be excess strain. And so sometimes when I'm putting my hands in that area and the baby's starting to release that, they are remembering like, oh yeah, this is what caused all of this tension and those kinds of things. So that's where um, kind of going back to the the original statement that I had is the birth trauma, you know, as far as the crying and, and what do we notice with that? That's where sometimes babies will be go through a little bit of distress as they're unwinding that process and that, that compression is releasing. Um, does that answer that? And then I guess the other thing that I would say is that there are times when I actually have two tables put together, mom and dad and baby in the middle, and I'm working on all three of them at once. So oh, wow. that's that too. So that's great. Um, what are, if you can think of some signs a parent might see in their baby, because sometimes I think we might not understand if, especially if it's our first baby, first time giving birth, um, we might not be able to tell, you know, it's our baby. So we might not have that, um, uh, reference point to understand or see something in our baby that, that looks like, birth trauma or looks like that could use some support. You know, when I'm working with babies, I'm specifically looking for that asymmetry. Babies holding their head 
you know, what's called maybe torticollis, but if you don't know what that is, you know, maybe their baby's prefer preferring one side or only looking to the right, or I see some sort of asymmetry. Can you add to that of any kind of things a parent might see behaviorally or physically in their baby where you could really support them? Yeah, I mean, I think um, the asymmetry is, is an easy clue. Um, the next easy clue is if they notice that the head shape is, mm. you know, obviously as they come through the birth canal, they will come out with a interesting shape to their head. And if that doesn't return to looking more rounded, that's something else to look at. Um, and then um, nursing difficulties, if the baby's really struggling at the breast, mom's not transferring enough milk, those kinds of things, obviously they're going to be consulting with you or a lactation consultant. But um, the other thing that we want to look at is that anatomically, is there some, some something structurally that's making it so that um, if there's compression, let's say at the brainstem where the cranial nerves come out, which are what actually control the suck, swallow, breathe reflex, then the baby's not able to have an organized suck. And obviously as a new mom, you're not gonna know this is a disorganized suck, but you will recognize like, oh, my baby's really struggling to gain weight. My baby's not nursing well, this is very painful. Um, those are some other things that are typical reasons that they will come to see me. Um, and then I'm looking at that structure, you know, mm -hmm. as I said that we're looking at the central nervous system and I'm looking at the alignment, not only of, the bones in their skull and then in their spine, but I'm also looking at all the cranial nerves and where they're coming out and the muscle tightness and those kinds of things also. Um, you talk about nursing and one of the um, primary reasons as a lactation consultant that I would refer a baby comes to a, is around painful latch, right? Um, mm -hmm. Mom is experiencing an incredible amount of pain. I might have noticed that the, the baby's chomping or using his gums instead of using his tongue at breast. Um, I'd love for you to share, this is one of the things I try to tell pe people, but I think you do a better job, is how can craniosacral support a baby whose lip or tongue tied? What sorts of things um, might a parent expect or experience uh, using craniosacral with a tongue-tied baby? Yeah, so tongue-tied, you know, <laughs> The way that the frenulum, when the infant is developing, um, the whole floor of the mouth is all attached, um, including the tongue at the very beginning um, in utero. And at about 12 weeks is when the body will break down and actually leave, the, allow the tongue to become separated with the frenulum. Um, if the baby is truly tongue-tied, meaning that that frenulum, um, there's lots of different um, definitions of it, but really it's basically that the frenulum is either short or comes far forward with their attachment that limits the baby's ability to lift and extend the tongue. Um, and if that's the case, baby starts actually, they have with the ultrasounds and those kinds of, um, you know, uh, the way that we can look at things now in utero, they see that the baby is actually starting to practice even the suck at 12 weeks. Um, it's not fully developed, the suck, swallow, breathe, you know, reflex until about 39 weeks. So if a baby is preterm, that can be something that can make that so that they're not as efficient at the breast. Um, but the, so just knowing that that tongue is tethered and it's tethered th throughout the pregnancy, the way that I describe that is if, if you think of um, walking up to a tablecloth and grabbing the middle of the tablecloth and twisting it, 
it's going to affect the entire tablecloth. So if that baby is tight within that area, their whole system, their whole fascial system is going to also be tight within that area. So I usually recommend that they have body work done before if we determine or it's determined that um, the baby does have an actual tongue tie, that they have the body work before they go and have the release because we want to also release all the other structures that are affected by that. So that when the tongue is released then the baby is able to effectively then use the tongue. Sometimes the babies will have the release done and if mom puts baby to the breast and they're like, it still hurts, it still isn't right. And usually that's typically because they're, all of these other structures are also still affected. So I usually recommend two um, sessions, two to three sessions before they go and have the release done. And then after the release, um, another two or three sessions just to get that whole system working better, making sure that, you know, going back to the tablecloth, that the entire tablecloth now is all flattened out and working, you know, as it should. Sometimes in the first few visits that you might do with a baby pre-procedure, do you sometimes notice that that's really all that was needed? And do some babies not end up needing the phrenotomy? Absolutely, yes. So if they have a posterior, what we would call a posterior tie, meaning that it's more towards the back where the tension is, that can be due to the position that the baby was in utero and just that they were in a weird position. Should we pause here? Because of my phone. Okay, sorry. Um, that the position is within a weird position or that... Um, that coming through the birth canal again they had some compression in that area and that's why there's tightness and tension in there is that the, those those cranial nerves are being compressed um, through the brainstem or the upper cervical which is actually causing that tension as well as that upper lip even and the jaw if the baby is really kind of has a tight jaw and it's not able to get an open big mouth um, or that lip is really tight those can all it's all can be related just to um, structural um, things that can be addressed with cranial sacral therapy. So yes, absolutely. I usually have them come in and if I see it unwinding and they're doing great at the breast, it's great. They don't need to go in and do the surgery. That is such an uh, aspect, I think, of cranial sacral is to be able to avoid uh, a phrenotomy in the cases where it's almost like a a hidden or hidden or just uh, a, a false tongue tie, right? This is new to me in the last couple of years after working with you, Carrie, and I'm just really fascinated by this idea that, you know, what happens in the womb or during birth can actually present or look like a tongue tie when truly it's not. Um, so this has been such an amazing uh, discovery for me as a professional to help parents uh, determine this. I mean, I think back and wonder, gosh, how many kids did we send for a phrenotomy when truly it didn't, wasn't needed, right? Because um, it can be a, a big deal and obviously can sometimes be expensive. Um, so I'm really fascinated by this aspect and love when I can send people to you first just to get that next level of um, diagnosis or just information. Yeah. yeah, and we need to remember that um, tongue, you know, doing the phrenotomy seems to be increasing right now. And there's a lot of people that are doing um, the lip, the tongue, and even buccal ties, which are actually on the side of the cheek. 
Um, but really when we are doing a, a very thorough examination, we still find that it's, it's really only between five and 7% of babies that actually have a true tongue tie. Amazing. And so we just need to be careful with that. You know, it's, it's, and then of course, Google is our best friend and our worst enemy, right? Cause if we get online and we start, somebody starts saying, oh, it's a tongue tie, or like I said, it's almost a, a trending fad now. So everybody is talking about it. Then you hear all these horror stories of what's going to happen if your kid has a tongue tie and you don't address it. You know, they're going to have speech issues. They're going to have dental cavities. They're going to you know, have neck problems. There's going to be many, many problems that your child's going to have if you don't have this done. And um, of course, that can be absolutely true if they have a true tongue tie, especially if it's far forward. Um, but um, there's a lot of a lot of things that we can do, especially with the posterior or what my instructor likes to call it, the faux tie. Um, <laughs> that maybe we'll make it so that we don't even have to do the surgery. And that would just be amazing. Well, yeah. I've really been so happy to learn more working with you. And it's been so transformative, like I said, just thinking about this in other ways and really trying more gentle modalities before we go in and, you know, cause uh, create structural, real structural change there with the procedure. Yeah. Um, and just remembering that going in early, even if they do have a tie, you know, what we're working on, we're working on the whole system, right? So getting them ready for that release is also super beneficial. Uh, while we're talking about this, I just would love to get your take on this uh, in a recorded conversation. As far as when parents come back, you know, with older babies and they discovered a tongue tie later on, um, yeah. you know, I think they get frustrated and concerned, you know, how did this get missed? Do you care to weigh in on the four months developmental shift? Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes, so developmentally, when the newborn is um, born, the, where we have the airway for right now, you know, we, everybody knows where their epiglottis is and it keeps the food from going down into our lungs. Um, and for baby, that is all really on a horizontal plane between that and our upper, the top of our mouth. Um, and it's like that so that the baby can easily organize around that suck, swallow, breathe and not choke on things. And so the base of the tongue is actually quite high. Like I said, it's really about on the level of our hard palate. But as the baby grows and what I usually tell parents is when they start to have a neck, essentially, you know, they're not, not all of a sudden they're not just a head with shoulders. They actually start to have their neck. And what happens is the base of that tongue then goes down anatomically. And then that sometimes can come up where all of a sudden baby's really struggling at the breast. He's having a hard time organizing around that sex solo breathe. And you'll see, hear them gasping or they're not draining the breast as well, or those kinds of things can come up. And what has happened is that there was tension already at the base of the tongue. And then they had this developmental shift which then just accentuates that. Um, so that can absolutely happen where we think that, oh, he's doing well, he's functioning well, and then all of a sudden it kind of falls apart. Mm -hmm. Thank you for clarifying that. I think, you know, parents, but also professionals like me, like a lactation consultant, I think that information is really helpful because I know that I have racked my own brain 
you know, when a parent comes back to me with an older child and says, oh gosh, the whole time it was a tongue tie, but it was really not clear when the mm-hmm. baby was a newborn. And, you know, you feel as a professional, some guilt around that. Like, oh gosh, did I, you know, did I not do, did I not see it? Did I not this? So I'm really grateful for that explanation, uh, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I've had those same feelings, Katie, you know, <laughs> we've, I've looked and I don't think, I think they're okay. And I cannot diagnose the tongue tie. That's not within my professional scope, but parents are always asking me, do you think this is what's going on? And you know, I do know how to do um, an actual assessment as far as like um, being able to know when to refer. And I, I look back at my notes and it looks like, nope, it wasn't there. And they got so that they were nursing and they were efficient. And then all of this happens. So yeah, I've had those same feelings. Um, yeah, well, it's great to have some information on that. So yeah, we can feel more confident with our care. Right. Um, Carrie, can you walk us through for those folks who've not had yet the benefit of a craniosacral therapy treatment? Can you walk um, walk us through what a typical treatment might look like? Yeah, absolutely. So typically, mom and partner and baby all come, or sometimes partner can't come. It, you know, it just depends on if we can get them in that beginning stages. Usually, partner's still there helping out. And um, I will talk to them about what I'm going to do, what cranial sacral therapy is, kind of give my little elevator speech on this is what we're doing, this is you know what cranial sacral does, ask if they have any questions. Of course, we um, go through a history as far as I want to know about the pregnancy, I want to know what happened with the birth process, I want to know, you know, why are you here, what are you struggling with, those kinds of things. Um, and then I talk to baby directly and, you know, introduce myself to baby, you know, say, hey, I hear you're having problems with X or mom and dad are worried about Y. And is it okay if I put my hands on you? I'm going to feel some, you know, and see what your body needs. Can you show me what it is and how I can support you? Um, and like I said, some, most of the time, um, mom or dad are holding them at the beginning and I'm working on them. And then as we get more involved, sometimes I will take them and hold them on my lap. Um, Sometimes they stay on mom or dad's lap the whole time. And then at the end of the session, usually what I do, oh, excuse me, let me back up. I'm also doing the physical therapy part of it where I'm looking at, do they have equal range of motion in their neck? You know, how well do they open their mouth? What reflexes are present? Those kinds of things. And then based on all of that information, I usually give them some kind of activities to do at home to help support baby. So if it's something going on within that suck, swallow, breathe, where they're, the baby just isn't using their tongue efficiently, I will give them some oral motor exercises. If there's tension within their system that we've just released, I will really encourage tummy time and um, getting them to start to open that area up um, and there's lots of different ways to do tummy time, not just putting them down on a hard surface. So I'll go through all of those things with them. And then I also, um, sometimes acupressure points, I'll show them also to help release those, those um, areas. And finally, there's like a glorified baby massage that I'll, <laughs> that I'll show them, um, mainly because if they did have tension, then their whole orientation of what midline is has shifted. Um, and then I'm kind of bringing it back to what, a, what we would think of as a normal midline. 
and the massage that I give them is something to help them reorient around that midline. So it's um, developmental and it's also using a little bit of joint compression and distraction to just kind of help the baby's whole nervous system organize around that. And I prepare families that they're gonna need um, to see you a couple, at least two, three times. Would you say that that's about accurate in your experience? Yeah, I, I think I'd push it a little bit between three and six. Okay, realistically. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Kelly, uh, Carrie, one thing I don't even know, but parents ask is, do you take insurance? I will provide a super bill if they have insurance. So if they have a PPO, um, then I can print out a super bill and they could submit that to their insurance. Um, if it's an HMO, I'm not going to be within their network. Right. Or okay. if it's Medi-Cal, obviously that's not going to be covered. Um, right. But if they happen to have a PPO, yes, I can give them what they need to get reimbursed. Okay, great. And do you, carry work with others on a team? I do. I do. I love um, working with you, Katie, with a lactation consultant. Um, I've also um, referred out to chiropractors if I find that their um, neck is really, really tight and I haven't really gotten a lot of movement with that, then sometimes I feel like they just need an adjustment. And of course, I reach out to chiropractors that have worked with babies, you know, frequently. Um, I also have even consulted um, a speech therapist a couple of times as far as they're really good with, um, we think of speech therapy as talking, but they also work um, on the adults, kids and pediatrics on swallowing. And so I have talked with them about oral motor exercises and what do we do with that? Um, yeah, and then of course, if I do feel like, yeah, this is something that may need a release, you know, I usually give them some information on here's the people that are within our area that, that perform this. Um, we talked a lot about newborns, birth trauma, nursing, I'm curious if you work with um, uh, babies who are beyond the fourth, the fourth trimester, so past 12 weeks, um, or even toddlers or older children. I'm just curious what sort of um, reasons might a parent bring their baby to see you beyond what we've already talked about? Yeah, so um, sometimes like a plagiocephaly, which is a the head where it's either flat on one side or it's really elongated will develop um, later on. And it's usually, um, again, more gonna be more of a structural based thing where they have some tension and they're not moving their head in all directions easily. And with that, then they develop this misshapen head. Um, and so sometimes I will see them later on because that starts to develop um, babies that have not crawled um, or are kind of doing a funny crawl, like a one-legged crawl or a scooch on their bottom, a hop on their bottom, those kinds of things. Um, you know, I kind of combined, obviously, my physical therapy and the cranial sacral therapy. So physical therapy, I'm looking at, you know, what's going on developmentally, where are they at, what are they missing structurally, what's, you know, tight, what could be causing some of those things. But um, sometimes those structures, again, go right back to our central nervous system. And there's, you know, tensions within that and releasing that can be the thing that then allows them to do that better. 
Um, and then adolescents, I do see um, adolescents with ADHD and sensory processing disorder. Um, and with that, again, I'm doing physical therapy with that um, to help integrate that. But I usually always incorporate the cranial sacral therapy because they usually are, again, go back to our central nervous system. Um, and that's kind of how I, you know, it's another end to work from, so. It's really such a magical combination, Carrie. I think it's amazing to blend yeah. PT with craniosacral. And as a parent, um, you know, taking my son to a variety of body workers since he was born, uh, meeting you when he was five and watching that magic play out was really such a gift um, because I got to see how, it, I got to see an illustration of exactly what you just said seeing him mm. do the PT, but then having that craniosacral come in to support him to develop further. It was really amazing. Yeah. So, what a gift. Yeah. I'm my, I've been a physical therapist for over 20 years and I've always really loved um, doing neurological physical therapy. So looking at brain injuries and strokes and um, you know, all those good fun things, um, mm. spinal cords, and that's kind of, you know, what led me down learning more and more about the cranial sacral system because then it's all so related to everything that's going on within our nervous system. And so I, yeah, I agree. It's a really nice combo. I, I love doing the two together and I feel like I get so much more from it now that I've added this tool to my toolbox. And, yeah, I can see yeah, that. It's pretty, and it's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you're fantastic. What a gift you have at both. Thank you. Um, Carrie, how can people find you? You're on our website at thenestfamilyresource.com and people can find your information if they clicked on therapy or body work. Um, but just since we're here, if you want to add in your own, maybe share your URL or your phone number or however you prefer folks reach you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have a website. It's heartandsoulpt.com. Um, and that is, it's just me. It's, it's my own little practice <laughs> in this little room. Um, and so that is, um, there, or you can certainly call my cell phone, which is, um, five, three, zero, two, six, three, six, nine, seven, four. Great. Or text for, that. for folks who are not local to Nevada County, what would you recommend for, uh, families to try to find a craniosequel therapist who does specialize in infants? Great question. So there's the Upledger Institute. Um, and if you Google that, um, they have their website. I, I, I assume it's upledgerinstitute.com, but I don't know. You're saying um, Upledger, that's U-P, right? Yeah, U-P-L-E-D-G-E-R okay. Institute. And um, there's a link there that says find a therapist. And within that, you plug in your zip code, and then you'll get a list of a lot of different therapists that come up. But you want to look at people that have taken the pediatrics course um, and courses. And probably I would also highly recommend um, there's some brain courses in there, too. I think both of those need to, um, to have probably been taken to really get the best bang for your buck if you're bringing your, your child in for that. Yeah, there's, there's lots of people out there that can do amazing things. Great. Well, thank you for sharing with us such valuable information. Um, I know that those of us who work with families don't always know how to explain craniosacral therapy. So this is such a gift that you joined us today. So we can have, have it all in one place and send folks to learn more about craniosacral therapy and how it can support them 
from really pregnancy all the way through parenting. Thank you so much, Katie, for having me. And I just have really enjoyed working with you all these years and all your knowledge and what you've shared with me. I feel like I've grown so much in my profession because of all the information that um, you've shared with me. So I appreciate it. Uh, yes. Well, it's fun to be a team. I really think yes, having absolutely. more eyes than one set on a baby is really helpful and being uh, part of a team to discuss different things. So I really have appreciated uh, your participation in my world as well. Yeah. Thanks, thanks again for joining us. And you can find Carrie at her website, heartandsoulpt.com or at through the Nest website. Um, I highly encourage, even if all is going well, reach out to Carrie and have an adjustment for mom and baby. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Nest on Tap. For more talks about pregnancy and parenting, visit us online at thenestnevadacity.com, on Facebook at The Nest Family Resource, and on Instagram at thenest.nc.